Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the First Four Outdoors podcast. Uh, we are here as your hosts. I'm Larry Schaefer. We also have Tyler Lee and Avery Liller with us. Uh, Zach Liller couldn't tune on tonight. He's got work in the morning because uh, we all do a little bit of our own part here. But just a little bit of background about ourselves. We're starting out and trying to help teach others through our accomplishments, our work ethic, and just our experience. And hopefully you can learn a little bit from each of us and find something that you can relate to and uh, just help better yourselves and hopefully you enjoy it. But we're going to start off with a little bit of story time. Avery Liller here. He just came off of a ultra marathon race and we got a lot of good content to bring forward to you. So we're going to start on that story. Avery? Hello, hello. How's it going, man? Dude, it's going good. Don't lie. Don't lie. Tell them how you really feel. I mean, it's been a pretty rough day. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> when, at least. When, when was the race? Uh, so, the race was June 18th, which is, well, it was about three weeks ago. So, okay, before, before we dive into it, how long have you been sore and or are you still sore? No, I'm good to go. I just haven't ran since race day. Schedule's been a little bit packed, but uh, I was sore for about three to four solid days after the race. Yeah. Um, so, with me being there, I know we're going to dive into a lot of different notes on this, but coming from this angle, what was the the difference, something that came to me when we were talking about this earlier in the notes we were taking... Did you have somebody before that helped you finish out the races? Like, uh, as far as, like, your crew and whatnot. Like, what what was different this time or the similarities that you've noticed? Uh, so it was, it was definitely nice. Um, hold on, pause. Do we even... We didn't even say what race it was. Sorry, well, we can okay. pause. We haven't even got into oh, okay. the I mean, we're race. still rolling, but yeah. I'll just, I'll just right, cut yeah, it Yeah, just out. cut that part out. That's right, cool, so. though. He said pause. That's good. Yeah. Like, pause, right. so we know. And then you gotta, you gotta give it a second, and then do one of those. All right, so uh, so prior races, um, whenever I started actually racing in the marathon space, which was um, 2015, I was pretty much on my own as far as, like, crewing, etc., um, the first time I actually had a crew member was in 2018 at the Trilogy 94 miler. And, uh, my wife, um, she ran the seven miles of the last day of the race. And so that was super awesome. And I fully, that was like the first time that I actually had that experience of how much a crew actually can benefit your performance. So it, it definitely made a, a difference having a crew member there and Somebody run seven miles with you. That sounds like a pretty badass wife. Yeah, I was uh, I was hurting that that race. So, <laughs> yeah. So break break it down, Barney style. Like, what consists of a crew? And like, can you be in more than one spot? Yeah. So a crew is basically like anyone that is affiliated with you that can assist you in any way, shape, or form that they're allowed to during the race. So, like, for example, uh, we'll use Larry because he was at this most recent race. He took me to the start line. He met me at the halfway point. He resupplied 
my supplements, uh, change of shoes, socks, um, at the halfway point, and then he met me at mile 35 and a half, and basically ran the, the rest of the race with me. Um, How so, long was the rest of the race that you, you jumped in there? Yeah, it was only another, what, 4.2 miles yeah. total, um, but we changed out your shoes, uh, made sure your hydration was good to go, dropped a lot of gear, and uh, just hammered out the, the last of it, make sure you made it through. And uh, that was definitely a new experience for me. Like, I've been getting into running more, and obviously we'll touch on that later. This episode's more about you and your race. But since then, I've definitely taken on running in a different perspective. And like we've talked about, I've, I've pushed myself to do some more more stupid things, things I call Avery Liller runs, and uh, it's a different world out there. But uh, it was definitely an eye-opening experience to go to that race that weekend and uh, see that. So, dialing it back to where we really should have started with this, folks. Um, what race did we run? What, what race was this that you went to that we spent the weekend? Yeah, at? so uh, I ran and completed the Highland Sky 40-miler. Um, it's one. It's pretty much the most prestigious race. It's not the farthest race in West Virginia, but it's the most highly sought after race for trail runners in West Virginia because you start at Dolly Sods, which in itself is a beautiful place to visit and hike, backpack, etc. But the terrain is unforgiving and nasty, and you will feel every part of it. And then you, like I said, you start at Dolly Sods, and then you end at Canaan Valley, which is a completely different world of beauty and you know so it's kind of like that uh bittersweet where you're in the suck but at the same time like you can't stop like looking at everything um so this is my second time running this race i ran this race in 2019 and i finished uh with eight hours and 59 minutes 59 seconds 57 seconds and my life was a lot different then and so um, COVID happened. They actually haven't had this race since 2019. And so I was very fortunate to be a part of it on its reopening. So going back on that, um, obviously there's a lot of questions that, that come out of that. The first one for me being, how did you first find out about this race? What really drew you to this race? Uh, so I think I heard about it after I had ran like one of my first marathons. And it was kind of just like hearsay from people. Like I just heard that there was like a 40 miler in Dolly Sods and Canaan Valley. And I was like, where is this? How do I find it? I couldn't find anything on it. And I think I had finally found it in 2017. But um, like this race, February, I think the opening, like whenever you can apply for it, opens up and I mean literally like days after it opens it's closed because so many people apply and then you're on a waiting list and so I actually had, it had been two years before I actually could run this race after finding it okay um so then the other question that came to me from that statement as you said your life was a lot different obviously I've known you long enough that I know what you mean by that but for our listeners and viewers out there what has changed in your life over that, that two-year difference between your races? 
Yeah, so before, um, whenever I started running, just in general, and then longer distance up to 94 miles, uh, you know, I was basically started in high school and then college and then, um, like, uh, full-time military I and a, basically like a single guy with no children or responsibilities for that matter. I could train as much as I want, uh, do, you know, as little schoolwork as I wanted just to, like, get good grades, but I didn't have to excel phenomenally. But I was pretty much, like, spending my whole college career on the trails on the weekends. So you had a lot of a lot of free time to yourself time. and a lot of yes. lot of training time yes. that you chose to utilize. Yes, and then, uh, um, you know, I met my beautiful wife, Becca, and we had a baby shortly after. And so everything kind of, you know life changes obviously if anyone out there has had kid or have kids out there like you know that you are non-stop all the time you can't really be selfish because then you're obviously your partner feels like they're doing a lot of the grunt work and then uh got introduced to the real world of working many hours and the uh, labor force so that was it was kind of um a big goal to me to be able to still accomplish the things that i had in the past with the type of lifestyle that pretty much 90% of 90 plus percent of Americans deal with every single day and make excuses for. So before we get real deep into this race and how far you've come, let's dial it back a little bit. Uh, tell me what really made you decide that you wanted to run ultra marathons? Well, uh, pretty, you know, every Every person that has ran an ultra marathon will tell you that you just don't wake up one day and you're like, I just want to run X amount of miles and hurt myself um, for many hours, sometimes even days on end. Um, so I remember I was 15 years old and I was a little bit of a fat kid. And But there was a, I remember I wanted to do track whenever I was in eighth grade. My mom bought me a pair of shoes and uh, I ultimately talked myself out of it because I was fat and I knew I wasn't going to do very well. and uh, But I had this calling. It was around the uh, January time frame. I, it was my first year that I hadn't played basketball. So I had like the whole entire winter basically like free to do whatever. I just had this calling to like, hey, dad, do you want to go to the park like at, at dark? And you walk a mile and I'll run a mile. And we went every single day. Wow. I ran a mile. Um it hurt a lot. Like I would always get side stitches, and then by the time like time progressed, I could do two miles. And then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna run track. And so that's pretty much the gateway that led to uh, one just a consistent um, schedule of like, hey, this is what this is what you are doing now. And did track. Um, went to the military. Uh, little sidebar. Um, whenever I was in high school. I went to youth group, and my youth pastor, he was a marathon runner, uh, ex-Marine marathon runner, and he would have running groups on Monday. And that is pretty much like the pivotal point where I was exposed to that type of distance. And back then, I thought like running 26 miles, if you could do that, like you're an elite athlete. Like that is the epitome of fitness, and in the back of my mind, that's what I wanted to do at some point now whenever 
I was at basic training. Um, I was like, I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to run a marathon. As soon as I got back from basic, uh, started training up. Didn't know how to control um, anything, so hurt my knee. And so that sent me back like multiple months. And then fortunately, our first sergeant at the time was uh, gave, gave me the incentive that I needed to actually commit to running my first race. And uh, he was running that same marathon. It was the uh, um, Freedoms Run in Harper's Ferry. And I did it to get out of two days of training. <laughs> so I was running about 22-ish miles a week. And I had about two months of train up, and that was the worst experience of my life. That uh, that race right there. But you wanted more after. Um, I could not walk downstairs for an entire week. I completely ran out of all muscle glycogen in my body because I thought I was too tough for gels. Um, <laughs> so did did you like? You said two months of a train up. Yeah, two months but, of. But a train you up. had a pretty good grasp of. But I had already been like? running very consistently. Yeah. Um, and then in high school, I also, uh, for some reason, uh, so we have this mountain, uh, on our hunting property that from the bottom to the top is about 2.5 miles with about 1300 feet of elevation gain. And I was just, for some reason, like, I want to run that like a weirdo. And, uh, so I'd ran it a few times. I was lifting, you know, just as, just as much as I was running. And then my brother actually was like, Dude, there's this guy on Instagram like that does the exact same that you're try- exact same thing that you're trying to do. His name's Cameron Haynes. I was like, you know what? I watched a couple of his YouTube videos and like a fanboy, like a typical fanboy now. Uh, dude, I just like watched his videos on repeat. It was awesome, but uh, that was kind of like uh, the first time I was exposed to other people that were training on the trails. Uh, like the actual first time that I even knew trail running existed. And so then fast forward to my first race, it was horrendous. Actually, I didn't have a, like a Garmin or anything. So I was actually way under trained than I thought I was. And also had the mentality of, uh, like pride and, uh, mental toughness can conquer anything. So like I said, I ran out of glycogen on that first race and it was the worst experience of my life to this point still. But then the next year, uh, I actually just wanted to completely forget the marathon and do my first 50-miler. Got hurt, had to run another marathon again the next year. Knocked off 26 minutes, and I'm like, okay, well, we're progressing. And then Yeah, that's a good improvement. Yeah, yeah. Um, ran a 3.56 that year. and But I've always just been called to, I hate doing the same thing over and over uh so like if i am going to run the same race it's either going to be better or it's going to be under like much more strenuous circumstances right so i don't like doing the same thing over and over just to say that i've done it so obviously that led to more distance faster times understandable so it's always about more progress or different races you're trying to find yeah i just i want to i want to find where i can't push any farther and that's pretty much the... so you talked about like your your transition from your first race to your second race mm-hmm. and how you improved one piece was the uh the muscle glycogen right yeah like what what were the hard lessons learned because obviously i know elevation is a is a 
I guess something you have to consider. Also with the terrain, right? Yeah. Uh, so whenever it comes to muscle glycogen, um, that that happens to do with like my heart rate and the speed in which I'm running. Um, so marathon is a much more in, uh, intense speed than what I'm doing in an ultra marathon. And uh, if you're not staying on top of your hydration and nutrition, you will bonk at mile 20. That is scientifically when you will bonk. And I did bonk at exactly mile 20 on my first marathon. That's interesting. Well, like, so for for those that don't understand what muscle glycogen, maybe you could dumb it down Barney style and describe that. Because to me, that I think of lactic acid, which is pretty much what um, it is, right? No, well, yes and no. Uh, so mu- muscle glycogen is basically sugars that are stored in the muscle, and they are what produce energy to your muscles whenever you're in a uh, air, like a high aerobic uh, heart rate area level. Now, you only have, I, I used to know the number, but there's only, I don't know, 3,000 calories. It's definitely less than that. Maybe like 1,000 to 2,000 calories that you have in your entire body of muscle glycogen. In a marathon, you burn about 3,500 calories, and that's for an average marathon runner that weighs about 130 to 170 pounds. Me, I'm weighing at uh, almost 200 pounds. I burn anywhere from four, like up to 4,000 calories. Um, so if I'm going, if my heart rate it exceeds 150s, you know I'm burning muscle glycogen. So did your did your training switch up drastically, or did you kind of keep the same regiment going into the same? Um. Yeah, uh, basically just mileage improved. Um, I was using, I was being more methodical in my training. Uh, my first marathon, I solely used water, no electrolytes, no gels, no anything. Uh, start. I actually, I'm pretty much all self-taught whenever it comes to running. So the second year is whenever I learned what a sandwich run was, and that is where you do a relatively high mileage run followed by a high mileage run. So that is actually, I mean, whenever I first started out, that is what helped me learn how to be uncomfortable running on tired legs. Um, Like, for example, I would do like a 12 on Friday and then an 18 on Saturday. Mm. And the 12 would be in the evening and then the 18 would be like Saturday morning. So in a 24-hour period, I was exceeding the marathon distance, but in two days gotcha okay um so getting back on the subject of this race and and where we stand um like i said you've done this this race before but in the in the difference so how how long you said it's been two two and a half years since the last time you did this race uh, it's been three years since I've ran this race, but two and a half years since I ran my last ultra. Yeah. Okay. So the time between the last time you ran and this race that you recently completed, what did that timeline look like for you? Like what was uh, my strategy? Do- well, just, yeah, your strategy, but also like without doing those races, like how did you keep yourself occupied? Like 
did you know you wanted to do more races? Were you kind of taking some time off? Like you said, you started a, a family. Like, what did what did that timeline look for you, that three years between your races? Yeah, so um, whenever you start increasing mileage, uh, anyone who has run uh, any any fraction of this type of mileage, you'll you'll know that on those high effort days, uh, for example, like there are some times where I'm running 20 plus miles a day and I'm not eating. I might burn 6,000 calories that day if I'm running at Seneca Rocks with 7,000 feet of elevation gain for those 20 miles. I do not even eat close to that amount of calories. So my goal whenever the three of us were away for 10 months is I wanted to reset my metabolism because whenever you're consistently in a calorie deficit, let's say 4,000 calories a couple times a week, your body is kind of like in a survival mode. So like uh, I was, I was, my metabolism was so messed up that I was to the point where if I burned 6,000 calories the day before and then ate a pizza the next day, but didn't train the day after, I would immediately see body fat. Um, so my goal was to drastically cut down that mileage. Um, I pretty much kept it below eight miles at all points in time for those 10 months. And I focused on heavier lifting and running a lot less and increasing food intake to try to reset in my attempt to reset that metabolism. How long did it take you to catch that, that cycle? I mean, I knew it was happening, but, uh, it's, I also lift, um, just as much as I run. So the lifting side of things actually kind of offsets the calorie deficit because I have the increase of growth hormone, testosterone, et cetera. Um, but I definitely noticed something was wrong whenever you put in, you're in such a high calorie deficit, but yet you see body fat in the mirror the next day, like magic. It's crazy. So dialing in specifically on this race cuz obviously you've you've done quite a few races you're very versed in the knowledge of marathons and ultra marathons at least from my perspective I'm I'm not even a novice I'm like beginner and then two levels under that but um what did what what's the cross comparison of the first time you did this race what did your training regimen look like compared to now being a father, a husband, right. a homeowner. What does your training look like for this race and just your timelines? Like when you knew that you were going to be doing this race the first time, what you did with that lifestyle to prepare compared to this go around with your current lifestyle timeline, what you did to prepare and what what were the the differences that you noticed, the pros and cons? Okay. Um so typically, in years prior, uh, I would basically train up for one big race in October. I would dial it back in the wintertime and then start cranking out miles in the springtime. 2019 is whenever I signed up early enough, but I was still on the wait list for uh, the Highland Scott 40 miler. And this was a good opportunity to get a spring race to better prepare me for a longer fall race and so at this point in time 2019 i remember specifically march time frame 
of 2019, I logged 227 miles in, in, a month. The, in that single month. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, so at this point, I had been running a lot of miles. Uh, temporarily, cut dialed it back to focus more on speed work, um, but I was still 100-plus miles a month. And then it only got more intense as I trained up for the trilogy in the fall. Um, very, very fit, very confident. Um, I could knock out 12 to 14 miles every single day for weeks on end uh, in 2019. Right, single life yeah. training. Yes. So compared to this go-around, what was your timeline of, hey, I'm doing this race, and with your lifestyle, what did your training look like? Um, so for the last two and a half years, I've basically been in what I've called maintenance mode, where I've tried to maintain a level of fitness to where I could increase my mileage in under a very short period of time. So every single week, I'm basically doing eight miles on a mountain with 1500 feet of elevation gain. And I'm also running flat ground, um, anywhere from 10 to five miles. And then I'm also doing stepper. Now, because I don't have the excessive amount of time to lift and run every day, my intent was I would alternate weeks where I would go heavy, like heavy lifting week with some cardio, and then the next week would be mostly running based with only a couple days of lifting given the fact that I know that it takes 72 hours of doing absolutely nothing to regress in your fitness, I would use that week to build up my fitness. And then the week prior where I'm doing something completely different, I'm only degressing a little bit. But then by the time the next week comes around, I increase so much farther that I'm, you know, week by week only, I'm getting slightly better, even though I'm training a hell of a lot less than I used to. Right. Um, so like you said, how much time did I have before this race? I got, I was, if I remember correctly, I signed up for this race late. I was 113th on the waiting list. There's only 200 people that can, uh, run it total. And I'd pretty much like kind of scratched it off, but I was still training. Got the notification in my email two, exactly two months out. Talked to my wife. She's like, Listen, if you don't get hurt, I support you. And I'm like, all right, cool. Work, family stuff, didn't get to train, like, hardly at all for the first two weeks after I'd already signed up for this race. Then, basically, training ramped up drastically. Now, I had to be strategic, um, knowing that it's been so long since I've ran a race. Mental toughness, uh, your my body's ability to adapt to that type of st- strenuous activity um so basically the plan was no gels during training limited water supply and limited like hydration pretty much like limited hydration nutrition period to the point where i wasn't drinking any water minimal food for up to 13 miles at a time so fasted and dehydration training yeah i did do a uh a half marathon fasted without any type of water whatsoever, but that was at the very end of my training. Okay. Now, also, with, with that, having the the shorter timeline, trying to ramp up your training, but also now 
you're not a single man anymore that can just go out and do it because you want to. Now you're you're working 12-hour days. You're coming home to a wife and a child and all these responsibilities. So you're really cramming it in there when when you have the opportunity to. Yes. And luckily, uh, whenever um, me and my wife sat down and talked that, you know, this is what's happening, she was definitely more lenient as far as giving me more opportunity to train more than I had been already. Right. So breaking down into your your training the leading up to it period you start ramping up. What did the what did the second to last week before your race look like? Your last week of training? So fortunately um my last hard week of training I was actually on vacation. So that lined up perfectly. I basically Woke up at 5, 5.30 a.m., knocked out 10 miles, 10 to 13 miles on a fasted stomach, no water as soon as I woke up. And during that time period, I got uh, I got in, it was either four or five runs during that week. And uh, the last actual run before the race um, did a half marathon in around a 7.37 pace. So I felt pretty confident. And then uh, my taper week leading up to the race, any taper week you're supposed to run at least a couple runs from the two to six mile range. Didn't get to do that. Um, So, you know, that obviously gives you a little bit of self-doubt leading up to the race, but we got through it. So with that training was your, like you said, you were on vacation, um, Compared to the race that you're actually going to run, are you typically trying to run similar terrain in your training compared to your race, or are you trying, I know you switch up for speed, you switch up for distance, you switch up for terrain, but when you're trying to dial in on a specific race, what what's your your formula, if you will. Uh, so in my opinion, I mean, I like running mountains. That is my preference. It is the most enjoyable. Um, but however, there needs to be faster pace workouts. Um, and there needs to be slower pace workouts on flat ground as well. Um, but yeah, if, if you, you definitely have to have that exposure to the type of terrain. So you need to be trained. You don't have to train on crazy technical terrain like what this race was, but if you don't have the accessibility to that type of terrain, you need to be focusing on ankle mobility, strength, balance, etc. If you don't live anywhere where there is hills or it's all flat, you need to get on a stair stepper or something, you know, to mimic that type of elevation change because I mean, it is drastic. Right. Cause I know, for me personally, I know for a fact your your last week of training, you were at the beach. Yes. So you're you're running in the sand at sea level, compared to this race, which was at four four to five thousand feet of elevation. Yeah. Right. Four to five thousand feet of elevation with rocks. Yes. Not, not pebbles, not gravel, rocks, boulders, ankle breakers. Those rocks look like they they would actually jack you up pretty good too. They were some tough rocks, man. They. It, it was West Virginia sandstone, like yeah, the, yeah. the mountain version. Like of forget, stone. forget your life rocks. <laughs> you fall, you're done. Well, have you Do, had any experiences in the past, like 
in your training. I, I know it's hard to to simulate rocks such as that size, but I mean, have you ever dealt with a like a technical injury? Uh, I mean, I've rolled my ankle one time, uh, but that was for me being stupid running in like midnight with a bunch of rocks. But uh, most of the time, I only have scares where mm-hmm. like my ankle roll, but it doesn't actually pop. Um, yeah. So rolling into that, talking about the, the actual race. Now we're kind of getting into the, you're at the, you're at the race. Like we're, it's go time. We're, we're there. We're day before what was kind of the, the layout. Obviously you've already ran this race before. What are, what are you looking forward to as far as the terrain, the layout, the mentality? Like how'd you, how'd you feel about it going in the night before? So, mentality, um, actually, th- actually thought that I could run this race quite a bit faster than I had in the past. Um, weirdly enough, uh, the week I was at the beach, I had a dream. I actually ran the whole race in, in a dream, but I crossed the finish line at 829, which would have been 21 minutes, no, 31 minutes faster than the last time I ran this race, and... Having put in the work, I felt, based off of uh, comparing time splits and similar runs I had done in the past, I felt that I was capable of running that time. Okay. Um, so what's what's the terrain like? Obviously, you know, we said rocks, but rocks are, are rocks and where where we're at, your elevation, things like that. So kind of walk us through what's the, the layout of of the race it's not all rocks there's a lot of different differences in it and uh we'll kind of get into the technicalities of it as as we go into the approach yeah so i mean any ultra i mean i pretty much know all the ultras in west virginia and they're pretty much all the same they are steep they're unforgiving you have the you know your left and right limits are pretty much like cliff drop-offs you go anywhere from like you know West Virginia sandstone, limestone, shale. Uh, you're running through creeks. You're running through actual creeks on the trail that hide the rocks underneath. That um, I've ran in snow. I've ran in two foot of mud. Uh, it's just it's a wild it's it's just a wild race that unless you're there you can't quite comprehend um, what it's like. So let's let's paint something vivid for our viewers. This is a forty mile race, mile one through five. What's it What's it look like? What's the uh, breakdown? Yeah, first two miles all pavement. So I was you know I was cranking out like a seven oh seven mile pace. Right, moving pretty quick. Yeah, and then uh, then front. you get onto the uh, the Dolly Sods Sods Wilderness area trailhead. You're running through pasture grasses. Then you are basically on single track trail. And for uh, for the first, let's say, uh, mile three to six, you are at a gradual incline, but you're uh, surrounded by stinging nettle. Um, it's a it's basically a weed that whenever you touch it, basically like sticks fiberglass fibers in your legs. So kind of like running through a through a, a cattle pasture or mm-hmm. or just like a, a open field with tall grass, but hiking trail. Yeah, but uh, after about mile two and a half, you're in the woods. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, so you're in the woods, a lot of high grass, a lot of weeds, stuff like that. So now, is that like a fairly open trail with just incline, or is it pretty rocky, or is it just a dirt path? It's it's definitely like, it's slick, it's uh, muddy. Okay. A um, couple rocks here and there, but mostly like falling down trees in the trail, etc. So most like starts to yeah. a hiking path anywhere you go. Okay, so now we're into mile 6 through 10. What's that look like for you? Uh, six through ten is pro. I think it's about a two thousand to twenty-five foot elevation gain. Uh, you're cranking out sixteen to twenty-minute miles. A lot of power hiking. I mean, it is super steep. Your calves are full. They feel like they're about to explode. Um, and then you get up on top of the mountain, and it just opens up into the beautiful type of terrain that Dolly Sods is known for, which looks like the Yukon in Alaska. Mm -hmm. And then you drop back down into the uh, the steep ridges, and then you go back through the stinging nettle, the sloppy, sludgy, uh, dis deciduous forest type stuff, and then you have to go back up the mountain, back up to the, the Yukon type terrain. Okay. So now we're we're heading into mile eleven through fifteen. Yep, Yukon type terrain. It's uh, a lot of mountain laurel, uh, huckleberry plants, rhododendrons. I mean, at one point I was, you know, there's single track, not it's wide enough for one person, mm -hmm. and there's ten foot tall rhododendrons surrounding me. So at, at this point, you're you're ten to fifteen miles deep. You're Running through the woods on a single track trail, a lot of foliage, a lot of vegetation, pretty slick, muddy trail from the weather that had passed. What What's the timeline? At this point, you're probably like, what, three hours into your race? Somewhere yeah, in there? Yeah, three hours. What What uh, what'd the competition look like? Were you running on your own? Did you have others around you? Uh, I mean, I passed a couple people here and there. Um, you... For that first part, you're pretty much like running to the same people. Like you'll pass them, they'll pass you, right. and but you're pretty much like by yourself for yeah. a couple hundred yards at a time. So pretty much same guys, kind of just uh, alternating your your paces, kind of staying in the same intervals. But yeah, you're, you're running for yourself, right? So now we're at miles fifteen through through twenty. What what are we looking um, like? Now I will I will say that uh, for some reason. Mile 13, I actually did hit my first low point of the race. You hit a wall. Um, not quite a wall. It it was it was a short-lived low point. So the thing about ultras that is fascinating and why a lot of people do it is kind of it kind of like simulates life, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's so long, you have a lot of different scenarios that you might have run into, problem solving that you have to overcome. Like you might you might uh, be short on nutrition that you have to catch back up or you might get low on hydration um all right so now we're rolling into uh mile 15 through 20 um at this point you're what three three and a half hours in into your race somewhere at that point yeah yeah okay so what what does that look like at, at that point obviously you said there's about 200 runners in this race um what's what's the competition look like obviously you're up there, you're in the foliage, the vegetation, the elevation, the trail slick from the weather that's passed. Are you kind of running by yourself? Is there four or five guys hanging around you? Is there a large group? Are you seeing anybody? Or are you kind of just on your own warpath? 
Uh, yeah, so normally on races, I like to start off a little bit fast. Um, so I'm normally running kind of like with the upper echelon mm-hmm. of the uh, people at the race. And for the most part, uh, in these beginning stages, you're kind of like you're kind of like leapfrogging each other. So like you'll pass you'll pass a guy, and then he'll pass you a little bit later because you might be slow on this ter- certain terrain type. But for the most part, like you're on your own, you're separated by a couple hundred yards at a time. Right. So you're kind of you're finding your niche. A lot of you guys are running the same same or similar pace you're kind of just back and forth and but for the most part you're out there running for Mm -hmm. for yourself and just focused on your goals yeah all right so now we're again at that 15 to 20 mile mark what's what's your terrain look like is it the same or is it changing on you um yeah it's pretty much just the same thing like up down uh up on top obviously it's uh um, rhododendrons, huckleberries, etc., and then down in the the bottoms, it's deciduous forest. It's nasty and slick. Um, and you're we're talking about mile fifteen to twenty. Uh, this is actually like really important, and why a lot of people uh, are drawn to ultra marathons is uh, it's kind of like life, right? So the race is so long, you have so many different variables that you encounter during that race, like weather how your body reacts to certain terrain types that might exert more energy, increase your heart rate, burn things faster than you had intended, and you might hit low points. Um, So, for example, I remember mile 13, I was actually in the middle of a low point. Not a bad low point, but my body just didn't have any energy whatsoever, and I was feeling sluggish and slow. But luckily it was short-lived, and I got out of it, and then I was rocking again. But, yeah, it definitely in ultras, like, you will have, I mean, depending on the distance, you might have two to seven lows and then really high points. And it's just really cool because that, the low point is actually what you sign up for this race for. It's so that way you know how, how to get out of it. And you can also take it into your daily life with decision makings, etc. Right. Okay, so now... We're at mile twenty. This is this is the halfway point, the pinnacle. This is where I first meet up with you again after the start point. Um, we had a little bit of a hiccup in there, but tell me uh, what that looked like when you reached that point, and uh, kind of what your thought process was when you got there, and uh, how that ultimately uh, turned out for you to continue on your race. Yeah, so dude, I roll up. Um on the halfway point, 15 minutes ahead of uh, the time I had rolled up on the halfway point last time. Uh, So I was right on pace, like literally right on pace to hitting that 829 goal. Um, Ran past where I thought you'd be. No no Larry Schaefer. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we just put it out there. I was not there. (laughs) Yes, uh, I'm stressing. I'm sweating profusely at this point um i hadn't been sweating in a little bit but i was sweating at that point so i ran run i run a little bit farther thinking maybe he just drove a little bit too far and he's hanging out at the actual halfway point aid station i roll up on the halfway point aid station which is about a couple hundred yards away from where i thought you were and i'm like oh no <laughs> i don't see him anywhere um i'm out of i'm out of my 
running, uh, endurance, uh, supplementation, uh, my elevate that I rely on very heavily for energy, etc., and hydration. And Shout then, out to elevate. <laughs> warrior fuel, absolutely. Um, hashtag shout out. Hashtag selfish plug. <laughs> you you um, are sponsored by them. Yeah, yeah. Hey, maybe they could they could sponsor the channel. I mean, dude, Ryan Ryan makes phenomenal supplements that I will never use anything else. Do you have a uh, do you have a discount code with them? Yeah, it's Avery fifteen. This is the perfect time. Avery fifteen. But yeah, yeah, there's our our shameless plug for the episode. So check out uh, Warrior Fuel Supplements and be sure to use code Avery15 to, I'm assuming that's a 15% discount. Yeah. There you go, folks. So go ahead and check that out. If you haven't already, you're wrong. (laughs) So so I roll up on the halfway point. Larry Schaefer's not there. I'm out of Elevate. I don't have any refuel packets, which is their hydration supplement. I'm out of Liquid IV. Um... So I basically am thinking, okay, I don't have a change of shoes. I don't have a change of socks. I've been running through water for the last four hours. Um, and I also don't, I'm also going to have to rely on Tailwind for the rest of this race. And I've tried Tailwind once. Wasn't a good time. <laughs> uh, I got super bloated and tootie uh, on the course. Um, so I was, I was a little bit. Uh, shaken up, but at the same time, I was fully prepared. <laughs> I don't think people realize like how close flirting with death is when <laughs> you gotta go number two while you're running. There's there's nowhere that you can yeah. stop. I mean, I did have TP, but however, like on your I, person, yeah, and my hydration pack. That's um, impressive. So we'll you never know that later. You never know. So, anyways, I was fully prepared to run the rest of that race without any type of. Uh, refuel or refill right. on my supplementation. So, so you get there and I'm not there. Yes. So what do you do? I make a last ditch effort to run a quarter mile back the opposite direction in search of hopefully my buddy is waiting and yeah. uh, luckily about a hundred meters in I see you running towards me with my drop bag. The man you're expecting that you packed a go bag to save the day finally arrives yes and at that point i change into a fresh pair of shoes and you stick all the new all the new supplements in my bag you give me fresh you give me a new bag of uh gummy worms yep gummy uh, worms stinger waffles gels uh liquid iv your elevate and then we're ready uh, to roll yeah you're ready to roll we changed out your shoes yeah you were looking good uh, seemed like you you had it under control and you're lo- doing real strong. Even yeah. even with that little hiccup, you were still ahead of pace time. Uh, look good. You're confident. Uh, you're smiling, joking. So that's always always a good sign. And knew that you had this one under wraps. So you, we uh, we broke off and I can continued on back down the the mountain on the rough trails in my uh, my little Honda. You know, tearing up all the the scrape plates and fender wells shout out to honda (laughs) um so now you're you're back on the course your uh supplements are back on you your hydration's back on you you checked in at your aid station Mm -hmm. and uh the the frustration of of larry not being there for you and uh 
finally the resolve of salvation and the fresh pair of shoes. Now you're back on the trail. Yeah. Uh, mile 20 through 25, what's that looking like for you? Uh, so we'll just go ahead and talk about mile 20 through 27 because uh, that's basically seven miles of speed. Okay. okay. So it's all on the, I'm pretty sure it's called um, Across the Sky okay. Road. It's basically a road that rides out the top of Dolly Sods. So you're on top of the mountain. You're running Yes, yeah, so on actual road. Not not pavement, but gravel road. Right, so, gravel like yes, like uh, what do you call it? Two two track trail, like mm-hmm. jeep trail type terrain. Yeah, not not bad at all. Okay. Um, then from there, there's an aid station, mile twenty seven. Peel off to the left, heading towards Canadian Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, what the amount of time that it had been since I'd ran this race. I had it in my head that the second half of the race was going to be smooth sailing and fast. After those seven miles, I had forgotten how actual technical and unforgiving this was. So what's uh, technical mean? Uh, Means pointy rocks, uneven terrain, basically ankle busters. Uh, Basically, if your shoes aren't cushioned enough, at this point my feet are super sensitive to anything. Um, I wore a pair of worn out shoes and now they're my favorite pair of trail shoes, but they're worn out. We're not taking the blow from jagged rocks at all, forcing me to kind of like speed walk through a lot of that stuff. So it affected a lot of your pace because yes. of the, the technicality, the terrain differential, if you will, with all the, the rocks, you were really feeling every step every you were step. taking. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what did that, what did that point, obviously now we're at mile 27, you're starting to, I'm assuming descend down the mountain? No, so from mile 27 to 30, 33, it's basically, you know, uh, it's all huckleberries. Okay. You, at mile 32 is finally you get to see the beautiful valley of Canaan Valley. It's, it's an absolute priceless view that probably very few people ever get to see unless they backpack miles in so now you're you're still up top but you're on the front of the ridge yes and uh then i think there's an aid station mile 33 then then i run across to timberline ski resort and then from there i am busting down the mountain with no trail just following random flags through the woods um through beech trees flinging me in the face, etc. And then mile 36 is whenever I finally catch up with you. Okay. So now you've you've busted down the mountain. You're at mile 36 of your 40-mile race. It's actually a 40.2, 40.3-mile race. We meet up again. I'm actually there this time waiting on you because mm-hmm. that's what friends do. <laughs> <laughs> After the first mess up. After right? the first mess up, I had to... I had to make it up. I'm there like 45 minutes early. Hey, crew, lesson learned. But uh, yeah, definitely lesson learned. And then I'm freaking out because I'm wondering where Avery's at. Um, having some good conversation with some great people, but then like they're taking off with their friends, and I'm wondering why haven't I taken off with mine yet? Um, but lo and behold, you show up, and you're still ahead of uh, your previous race. So that's always yeah. positive. Yeah. You're in good spirits, smiling. 
Uh, we changed out your shoes, got a little bit of footage. Yeah, I was not running another step in those shoes. Yeah. With how my ankles and feet yeah, were feeling. Yeah, we, uh, we learned we learned the lesson. That's when we realized that the, the shoes we changed out up at mile 20 were uh, pretty pretty used up. Yeah. Um, so now we're here. We're at mile 36. Uh, you're hurting, but uh, you're still in good spirits about it. You know, you're going to... You're gonna beat your time regardless of of what happens. Even if we get hit by a car, you're gonna crawl there and make it. Um, so what what was your mentality at that point? You got there, you changed out your shoes, you dropped your gear, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I was I was there to finish out that last four point two with you. What what was kind of going through your mind at that point with the time remaining? You had to uh, finish out to beat your previous race and uh, just. Where, where were you t- overall? Uh, pretty much just like maintain the momentum. Like uh, whenever I felt like I could run, try to run as far as I could. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously I was hurting. I My ankles, joints pretty much were shot. Uh, but I mean, realistically, like we were going at an okay pace given the circumstances. And uh, we were definitely able to finish at the time that you know i was satisfied with right and with that last four miles that was a mix of some some pavement some some grass trails and ultimately a little bit of of a a hill maybe 50 feet of elevation gain and drop into the finish line yep okay um you ran a good 1050 pace to finish that out so you finished the race what would that look like would that feel like it felt good, dude. It was uh, it was definitely a huge confidence booster, knowing that I had a had a goal. The goal was going to be way harder to achieve, but I mean, yes, I wanted to run an eight twenty nine, but the ultimate goal was to beat my prior race time for this race, with much harder circumstances, and I achieved that goal, and I beat my old time by ten minutes. So there I mean, you go. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, and we had a kid there at the, at the yes, end of the finish line, uh, little girl. Yes, uh, this, this race was super special in my heart. Um, you know, wherever, whenever I found out I wanted to be a dad or whenever I found out I was going to be a dad and, uh, you know, initially I thought, you know, like my running career was going to come to a huge halt, but then I thought about how special it would be to be able to share those types of events with my daughter and uh it was it's pretty cool because it was father's day weekend um yeah it was wasn't it yeah she she apparently was a blast she was clapping on all the runners like uh i mean it was probably just like the cutest thing ever but then whenever she saw her dad pop out of nowhere in the woods she was like Wait. <laughs> really? Just confused. Wait. My dad is running this? And uh, that's just a super, super cool feeling. And, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, it felt, whenever I crossed the finish line, knowing that uh, she was there, it was, I don't know. It was the sense of, like, fulfillment that I was wanting. Right. Um, no, that that was super cool, especially finishing that, that out with you and uh the time that i've actually been around to obviously I, I was there for a lot of the beginning of your relationship and going in but 
seeing your your daughter grow up and being a part of her life and seeing that that finish and kind of just having that that uh that introduction to see the how cool it is just Mm -hmm. just to be there and how proud you were to share that experience with her absolutely i remember uh becca your wife she's like oh you're you're so gross she's been there for your races so Mm -hmm. it's it's whatever for her but your little girl just ran up to you and wanted nothing more than you just to pick her up and you did and you gave her a big old kiss and you were just mm. so nasty, dirty <laughs> and she didn't care one bit. She was just happy to see daddy finish a race. Yeah. That that was a, a awesome experience. Um so just to uh finish this up, wrap it up, a little bit of questions that some folks might have. Just the uh the gear, the equipment used, the supplements you had, we talked a little bit on that with your elevate and whatnot, but uh just touch on the gear and equipment. Like wh- what's it look like when you go running? Are you just out there shirtless with a pair of shorts and running shoes or like what what's your preference? Um so I'm super picky um about what I wear. As far as shoes goes, I like I like ultras. Mm-hmm. Uh mostly for the point that they have a wide toe box and uh I don't get feet blisters ever ever since i switched them uh i wear um smart wool socks because they don't stink after you wear them a thousand times and they're just also super cushy and awesome uh i only have like four shirts that don't rub my nipples after about 10 miles so i stick pretty closely (laughs) to it it is a thing I, i didn't realize that I had to learn the hard way. I, yeah, so I, I rubbed a lot of nipples in What's, the uh, obviously, like, yeah, it, it can be a brand or whatever, but, like, what's the material you find that doesn't irritate? Dude, honestly, I, I have to run 10-plus miles to find out what works and what doesn't. So they're different brands, different materials? Different brands like, and different materials. You just got to find what works yeah. for you. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Relatively, it's kind of tight, so that way my my man boobs don't, Bounce right. around too there's, crazy there's much. Not, there's not a lot of a lot of friction. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, uh, folks at home don't know this, but I was there. You wear a vest. Like, what's that about? What's that thing? Uh, so basically, it's just a. <laughs> so my first ultra, I didn't know anything about anything. Um, I literally wore a Camelback backpack for my first fifty miler, and it was a disaster. Um, trying to get bottles in and out of it and supplements, etc. So whenever I finally learned a little bit about how ultra runners do things, I uh, found Ultimate Direction and their vest in particular. I like the style of it the best. I can't remember what version mm-hmm. my vest is, but it's a uh, it's kind of like a minimalist. It has a uh, like a really small backpack compartment. And then it has two bottles on the front with pouches for my uh, um, gels and packets of like liquid IV, Elevate, etc. Um, so right. that that's been a huge game changer. And then the soft flasks that they came with were garbage. So I use the uh, Camelback soft like twist. They have like this little twist on it, and mm-hmm. it's much easier than the bottles that the vest came with. Yeah. So with, with the bottles, they're not solid water bottles or hydro flask or anything like that that's beating off of you they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're nice soft and forgiving and uh like i said you're you're using your elevate by warrior fuel another shameless plug there you go um avery 15 
Avery Liller, 15. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, your Stinger Waffles and your Gummy Worms, they really give you that energy through the race that you need. Um, so the vest, the water bottles, the supplements, the hydration. Um, just finishing up on that for you... Is there anything that we didn't really cover that you want to say to anybody about your race? Um, I think like what we can take away from this uh, episode, me talking about myself and my experience from this race, is that uh, I mean, basically we're talking about mental toughness and uh, physical ability, and what does it ultimately like? Why is it important that I'm pushing myself to my limits? Uh, ultra running. It's not season right now. Ultra running gives me that um, mental edge that I feel. Um, I know it's kind of like a guest on this episode, but moving forward, um, guys, we have a lot of really hard charging guests coming on. We have anywhere from uh, ex-military snipers. We have other actual ultra marathoners that win races. We have world record holders. We have just a bunch of really incredible resilient people and we're gonna take their stories their personal stories on how they're achieving um breaking mental and physical barriers for themselves and we're gonna tie it back into how you can ultimately push yourself to the potential that you probably don't even think that you have and so that's pretty much the goal is to educate and motivate people to become the best versions of themselves whether it's just hunting but like in everyday life and Heck so yeah well thanks for uh sharing a little bit of a little bit of your time with us about your story and some things you've been working on um guys if you like this let us know if you didn't let us know uh i don't like it we're hey <laughs> guess what we don't care. Yeah, this isn't I about don't me. Care. I get it. Okay. Uh, we got tons of awesome stories coming up. Talk about our experiences, things that we have done, and things that we're going to be doing. A lot of awesome guests and a lot of personal stories. Tyler, closing comments. Uh, just a caveat on what Larry said. Um, we we do have a lot of stuff in store. Um, we're not necessarily restricted to hunting or physical stuff like there there's going to be some content where we educate you on some things and uh i think us as a group collectively kind of feed off of each other but it's within the same wheelhouse on what we're trying to give i think the the end goal for us you know big picture is to build this community up uh within our local area and hopefully build a a network where you guys can have a, a one-stop and shop i think Collectively, we're going to be able to portray the, the extreme spectrum of just really, really awesome people. So, And then also average people getting it done. Yeah. Absolutely. And and that's that's just the key to what we want to achieve, guys. Like, we want to help people and, and share stories, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a podcast, and there's going to be a YouTube channel coming eventually. We've got lots of content we got to work on. But at the end of the day... It's just storytelling, and hopefully it touches some people and makes a difference in their lives. We got everything from hunting and fishing to military and law enforcement to uh, 
just shooting for fun and shooting to survive. Uh, gun builds, reloading ammunition, uh, gardening, pet care, business starting, business ending, and, plethora and of stuff. finding just finding a new job or establishing yourself at a job you've been at for a long time. But if that's the kind of stuff that interests you, please stay tuned and hopefully we can find something that's going to help you out and maybe one day you'll be a guest on here and get to share your story. But we appreciate your guys' time and just thanks for giving us the opportunity and the chance. All right. Y'all have a good one. Later.